Good morning, everybody. Morning. All right. So today we are in week two of what is now a four-week series in the Apostles. Uh, it was a three-week series last week, and I realized why I could not make it a three-week series because the last time I taught this material was on Wednesday nights where I had 50 minutes to teach, uh, and this was the long lesson of the two, so we're going to split it up into two weeks and kind of push it out a week more so, so I don't have to speed read today, which neither one of us enjoys. So. Uh, so today we're looking at the apostles' characters. Last week we looked at their callings, uh, who were they were, and how they get there. Uh, so a couple knowledge objectives up at the top. So last week we kind of looked at the uh, list of 12 apostles and understand how they were chosen. Today is number three and four, uh, today and next week, to see the types of people God chooses. And I think you will see this is a quite, quite broad group of individuals um, in any sense of the imagination see the types of people God chooses, and to better understand their personalities. And, and the thing I want you to remember uh, is that we see, uh, we see slivers of, of lives here. Uh, I had an MRI done on Friday morning on my back. They're, they, they're hoping to find something soon on what this back pain is from. And as I was sitting in there with the clanging and the banging and the loud noises, anybody ever had an MRI done? Yes. Isn't it exciting? It's just and if there was a cadence to the sound, you could get used to it, but it's, it's erratic. Um, so I was thinking this, uh, that Friday morning about the Sunday school lesson because I had 25 minutes to do absolutely nothing other than scare, stare at the scratch marks on the inside of the MRI machine, which kind of wigged me out just a little bit. Um, it's like flashbacks from Kill Bill or something there. It was really, really weird. Uh, yeah, people freak out and they scratch on the machine and try to get out. and It was, it was very strange stuff there. Uh, so I was thinking about the process that this machine is doing, and it's basically just taking slices and taking slices and taking slices and taking slices of pictures, and they cram all that together, and then they get a, a really good view of what's going on. And if you think about the stories in the Gospels, we have just a very small slice of a story, or sometimes even of a, of a, a multi-day period, and we get a half a quote or a glance or a perspective and it is a very, very small piece of who these people are. So, so I want to be very cautious as we go through and look at each one of these men that we don't lump their entire lives up into a single sentence. Because I'm a little bit rattled this morning. Uh, got here this morning a couple of minutes late. Uh, went in to go print off the handouts. The server was down because the power went off in this building. Well, it takes about 10 minutes for all that to boot back up again. And then we started printing, and then there was a printer error. And, and it was just a, boy, I'm, I'm a little bit rattled today. And my thought as I was walking from the office to this room was, what if my sliver in the Bible was right now on a bad day? And I thought, boy, I need to just show some grace when I walk through these guys because... A lot of them were having bad days when we got to see their sliver. So as we look at each one, I want us to remember that. So the first thing that I, I need to do this morning, though, is to do a pop quiz. Because I told you last week we were going to have a quiz on naming the 12 apostles. So, babe, where's my bag at? We didn't get that. See, another thing that we didn't get done this morning, so that's okay. Uh, no, nah, it's okay. Carrie knows the song. Carrie knows the song. Excellent. Carrie, do you know the song? You do know the song? So I have, some, I have some presents, all sorts of CDs and books and all kinds of different stuff. So if you know the 12 apostles, please stand. 
Steve, oh, excellent, excellent. Got three, anybody else? The 12 apostles. I will take a wide variety of names for each of them, by the way, since they're listed that way in Scripture. <clears throat> Carrie, you're not going to? No? You're, she's good? Okay. All right, Stephen Mays, you were the first one up, so let's listen in. Oh, he's going to start in a weird order. Okay. Yeah, I do it alphabetical, sorry. Alphabetical? <laughs> you told me this just a few minutes ago. Oh, wow. Okay, go ahead. Okay, it's Andrew, Bartholomew. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, James, James the Less. Okay. John, Judas, Matthew, Philip, Simon Peter, Thaddeus, Thomas, and Timothy. No, not Timothy. Yeah. <laughs> you did get 11 of the 12. So which Judas are you talking about? I'm helping you here. Oh, and then there was Judas here. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so you can pick. Miss Kristen, what do you got? It's alphabetical as well. Good gracious. All right, we'll do this again. Okay. Okay. Nobody ever lists James the Less first. That's awesome. Okay, go ahead. Um, John, Judas, Iscariot. Okay. Um, Matthew. Good. Uh, Philip, Peter, uh, Simon. Yeah. And Thomas and Thaddeus. Yes. It feels like you're missing one. That was 12. Who done me? Oh, oh, yep, yep, yep. You got it. You said James. The you said both Jameses. Good, excellent, very good. Come right over. Yes. You're gonna do it alphabetically too. No. Oh, excellent. Okay, good. You're gonna do the song. Excellent. Let's do the song. Let's do the song. What's the song? Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John. Thank you. Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus. Yeah. Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew. That's it. Very good. Excellent. Well done. So we got three. So, so, so did any of you notice my hands as they were doing this? Okay, because I'm, I'm doing them in groups of thirds, and I'm checking people off as they're listing each one in the groups of thirds. So my thirds are Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, right? And then Philip is leading the second third, and you have Bartholomew slash Nathaniel, uh, you have Matthew, and you have Thomas. And then the last third is James the Less, because he's just not mentioned as much. So, sorry, you get the less tagged onto your name there. Um, you get Simon the Zealot, you get uh, Jude, and you get Judas Iscariot. So, those are the, that's how I remember the 12. So, so, that's the 12. Excellent. Good job. So, next up is the questions that we're going to look at today, which are, what were they like, what were they known for, and what theology do we learn from them? Uh, and and this, is a, this is a good thing that, that they showed up in the scriptures, that they interacted with Jesus. Uh, they provide us a voice to ask questions to Jesus through them. So in, in my mind, we get to participate through that process. So today, we're going to look at the first third, that inner circle. So uh, Peter, uh, James, John, and Andrew. And then next week, we'll look at the other eight. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to be using a lot of Scripture today. It's all going to be in the Gospels, so it's pretty tight. Um, 
but we'll be bouncing around quite a bit. And one of the things that we're not going to do is we're not going to address uh, what they did or what they were known for after the crucifixion because that's a where did they go next, what are they remembered for uh, in the rest of their lives. That's the, the lesson two weeks from now. So Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So your first blank under Peter there is a brother of Andrew and a fisherman. So what do we, we remember from last week? We talked about that they were fishermen, so that means they are not what? They're not the best. Because the best would have been doing what? The best would have been following who? Following a rabbi somewhere. The best of the best would have been following a rabbi somewhere. So they're not the best of the best. They're helping their dad on their fishing business. Which is good because somebody needs to catch the fish. This is not a bad life. This is not anything to look down upon. This is not something that you should be discouraged or, uh, or have a negative self-view of. It's just you, you weren't chosen to go follow a rabbi. And then a rabbi shows up and says, I want you to follow me. And their world changes. So he's the brother of Andrew and a fisherman. Uh, flip over to Matthew 8, 14. We're going to go straight down the list of your, uh, of your resources in the, on the handout. So as soon as we finish with the verse, you can just go to the next passage and we'll be there. Matthew 8, 14. This is something a lot of people don't know about Simon Peter. Um, what does the verse say? He saw who? His who? His wife's mother. Peter was married. That's your blank. He was married. <clears throat> and if you think about this, think about her perspective on the world. I've married a fisherman. I have a stable income. She's going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, he's following some rabbi somewhere, getting dusty every day. What do you think her perspective on Jesus was? That's a tough one because it could go, and we have no idea in the Scripture. The Scripture never even implies one way or the other. But it could have been anything from, holy cow, my husband won the lottery, to I never see him anymore, and I'm kind of bitter at the work that he's doing. It could be anywhere in that spectrum. But he was, in fact, married, which is good to know. Um, so, so the Catholic Church... The view of the Catholic Church is that who was the first pope? Peter. Peter. And the, the men that are in uh, uh, significant authoritative positions in the Catholic Church are supposed to be single. Well, we didn't start off very well, did we? Okay? So there's, there was a, a bit of a disconnect at some point in where that rule came in. So just to be aware of that. So Matthew 16 Verses 16, 17, 18, and 19. We're actually going to start with 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist. Right? Which is kind of strange. We'll get to that in a minute while that's strange. Some say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, and I love Jesus, he always gets back to the individual and their perspective on him, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, 
Simon Barjona. Now that phrase Barjona, Bar means son. Jonah is his dad's name, so it's a derivation of uh, John in the Old Testament. Uh, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Anybody know what Peter's name means? Rock, right? And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he was given the blank, given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're Peter, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Promotion Sunday. Yeah, this is awesome. I just got stepped up. I was already kind of in charge of this ragtag group, you know, but this is even better. Now I've got some keys. So you can just see Peter walking around, right? He's just like, I got the keys. I got, don't forget, Jesus gave me the keys, right? Do you think it would be easy to get cocky at this point? Yes. Do we see that out of Peter every once in a while? Yes. A little bit, yeah. And, and, and I, I say, I feel a little more strongly about being able to say that because there was multiple slices that we see this in, right? Um, however, even with that many slices, how many of us have had that many slices of cockiness in our lives and would hope not to be characterized that way for our, all of eternity? Yeah, so, so even then, let's, let's be gentle, right? We're going to meet these folks in heaven one day, so we don't need to have to apologize for the very first time. So. Uh, and then John 18.10, uh, one of my favorite uh, passages in all of Scripture. Uh, it's a truly, spectacularly troubling passage to me uh, because Jesus tells the disciples to grab a sword before they go here. Um, and in John 18.10, says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And he does this, and then Jesus tells him to put up his sword. Why would you pull out your sword? And it's kind of a, well, you gave me the keys, right? And you told me to bring a sword. Why would I not use the sword? And, and maybe, just maybe, Jesus is communicating something bigger that um, the answer is not warfare, right? Um, so, so one of the things here, so my, my version of what John 18.10 is, is he was a bit impulsive. Um, had he ever seen Jesus pick up a sword and cut off somebody's ear? No. I think that would have made the scriptures. I think that would have made the cut somewhere. Yeah. Um, and the student... The, the Talmudine was supposed to do everything the rabbi did. So to jump out in front of the rabbi and assume that somebody needed their ear cut off was a bad move. Okay? This is what made it a bad move. So the theology that we learn from uh, Peter and his questions, um, th- does anybody know who asked the most number of questions of all the disciples? It was Peter, yeah. If you add up Peter's number of questions, they actually are more than all the other disciples' questions combined. He asked a lot of questions. Uh, And a lot of people think that because he was the lead, he had access to ask more. And he was also, they deferred to him and perhaps even came to him and asked him their questions and he would ask Jesus. So he might have been a proxy for the other apostles even. So the the theology that we learn from Peter is that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ. Now there's tons and tons and tons of other stuff that we learn about Peter. Peter. A big chunk of that is in the book of Acts, and we'll look at some of that in two weeks. So 
If it feels like we're treating Peter kind of light, yes, we are. I acknowledge that. We're going to cover some other folks here. So James and John, uh, they were also brothers and fishermen. Uh, so the continuation of that Matthew, pas- Matthew 4 passage that we read earlier about Peter was going on from there. Jesus saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Now, uh, James and John, I, I love the, the people that Jesus draws really close to him because they're passionate people. Uh, they're not sit-on-the-fence kind of people. Um, they're not, I'm going to lean back and see what everybody else thinks, and then I'll kind of go with the flow and figure out what my opinion is. They are, they are the cannonball-into-the-pool people. You, you know people like this? Yes. Um, I used to be a cannonball-into-the-pool person. I am not a cannonball-into-the-pool person anymore. I'm like, I put my ankle in and then wait, and put my ankle in and then wait, and... I went over to Justin Carey's, and Justin's making fun of me, you know, because it's, it's taking so long. I was like, look, I'm an old man. This is okay. He's like, yeah, you are. I was like, that's all right. Okay. We'll go with that. So Luke chapter 9. Flip over to Luke chapter 9. It's an interesting little story here. It's probably not one that you've heard taught on very often because it's kind of tough to go anywhere with it. Um, there are passages of Scripture where you read them and you go, huh, okay, what do we do with that one? Well, we use it to get a bigger picture of what's going on. So Luke 9, verse 51, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for Jesus to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went, and they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Now the Samaritans, were they best friends with the Jews or no? Not so much, okay. They they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him. The Samaritans did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Now, there's a spiritual principle at play here that one way to sound really, really spiritual is to quote something that somebody else in the Bible did, right? Well, so-and-so in the Bible did it. All right. The, the worst whipping that I got for anything I ever did at school uh, is because I called a girl an ass one time at school in the third grade, and my justification for it was that that word was in the King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. So, so my third grade teacher uh, went to town on my backside, And then when I got home, my dad tore me up, not for saying the word, but for misusing Scripture. Because he knew that was going to be a problem later on. Um, So so sometimes you can try to couch behavior or activity under the umbrella of, well, somebody in the Bible did that. Well, guess what? The Bible's filled with a bunch of sinners, too. (laughs) Not everything in the Bible is supposed to be emulated, right? In fact, a very small amount of the information in the Bible is supposed to be emulated. A whole lot of the stuff in the Bible is supposed to be avoided because that was stupid. That was sinful. That will get you killed. So, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? I love Jesus. But he turned, right? He's like, okay, think about how you address children. Sometimes it's, hey, be quiet. And sometimes it's, whoa, we've got to turn and we've got to go address this. And it, I almost wonder if he kind of, so let's think about this one, boys. Okay? We're, let's, what have you seen? Have you seen fire come down from heaven? 
and me have something consumed. I mean, this is not what your rabbi has been doing. Pay attention. He said to them, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Getting rough here. Verse 56, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. (laughs) It's like, let's get out of here. right? I don't want to see what else they're going to say. Um, So, did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then later on, uh, actually in Mark chapter 3, verse 17, um, and I've seen 900 different ways to pronounce this word, so I'm just going to go with the easiest. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, and John, 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 the brother of James, it's not even the hard word in the, in the verse, sorry, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. Now, what do you think about when you think of thunder? Booms, right? It's loud. What else about thunder? Do you know when thunder's going to hit? That's what I hate about thunder. That's <laughs> what your pets hate about thunder. They don't know when it's going to hit. It drives them crazy. It's loud. It's erratic. You can't time it. It comes with a bunch of other things. It comes with wind and sometimes rain and sometimes lightning. And it's chaotic. And it's just, it's just all over the place. And sometimes it's indicative of a storm that's coming. And sometimes it's indicative of a storm that's leaving. But it's always got something swirling around it. So he gives them the name, the sons of thunder. So he gives Peter the keys, and he gives them thunder. Some well-equipped folks right here, right? Um, So the sons of thunder. So this is kind of his view. And and Jesus, and and there's this concept in the New Testament, and I kind of wish we still did it. It'd be kind of neat. But um, that when you have an encounter and experience with Jesus, you get a new name. It's just... He just gives you a new name. And his, his disciples did this. They continued to do this in the book of the Acts. They would just meet somebody and they'd get a new name. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like Barnabas. His name wasn't Barnabas. His name was something else. His name was Joseph. It's like, oh, he went from Joey to Barney. That's kind of a, kind of a big change, right? Well, it's because there had been a difference made in his life. So two notes here real quick. Uh, one, the apostle John is not John the Baptist. It's not the same guy. There's actually five different Johns in the New Testament, um, which is kind of confusing, right? Because they don't all come with last names like the Baptist did. So uh, the guy that we're talking about here, I didn't even mean for that to be a joke, but it sounded funny, didn't it? Uh, so the guy that we're talking about here, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the son of Zebedee, this John actually wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote First John, he wrote Second John, he wrote Third John, and he wrote Revelation. Right? He didn't write Jude, because that's next in the order, but he wrote Revelation. I thought that was funny, but um, nor is he John Mark. This is not Barnabas's nephew or cousin, or however you want to translate that word. Um, the, ran who, the man who wrote the Gospel of Mark, and he's not John, the father of Peter and Andrew. So that would have been weird, right? I mean, gee whiz! I got my brother and my dad in the group. That's it's just kind of strange. Um, and then there's yeah, favoritism, right? And then there's a John that's mentioned one time in Acts verse four three, uh, which. He just kind of shows up once. So it's not him either. This is the Apostle John. And then James, the James, the son of Zebedee, is not the author of the book of James. So this is not that same guy. Uh, That James was Jesus' half-brother. So those of you that have half-brothers and half-sisters, you can relate to Jesus. He had some too. Um, He had at least four siblings. We know he had brothers and sisters, uh, probably a very large family, probably 8, 10, 12 brothers and sisters. would have been very normal for that time. Um, so this is not the James that wrote the book of James, and it's not the John of John the Baptist. So what, what theology do we learn from 
the sons of Zebedee. Well, the passage that we just looked at, Luke 9, 51 to 56, Jesus came to save. Yeah, he came to save, which is great. So because of their flippant comment about, maybe not even flippant, it's probably purposeful, because of their comment about, hey, can we rain down fire from heaven and kill these people, we get to hear Jesus very, very clearly articulate, no, I'm about salvation. We have to redirect and repoint them to a better way. Uh, go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I told you we were going to move around a lot today. I thought about putting all these in the handout, and then I realized the handout would have to be like 16 pages long, so um, that wouldn't work well. So Mark chapter 10. Verse 35, uh, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It's like, really? You think that approach is going to work? Really? Blank check. Here you go. And he said to them, how does he answer them? With a question, right? He answers them with a question. What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. Just no big deal, right? But for all of eternity, we'd like to flank you. <laughs> really? I mean, <laughs> what kind of question is that? But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to... Another question. See the question coming back at them. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, Absolutely we are. No problem. Sign us up. We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with that you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Now, Jesus, we're going to keep going here for just a second, because the point I'm going to make is in the next paragraph. But I want you to understand that everybody has a role to play, right? And there are, even in the Godhead, roles that the Godhead will not play. The most all-powerful being in the universe chooses to allow another person in himself to fulfill a role. So when we come to points in our lives and we are told things like, that's not for you to do. Our God himself can relate with that. Okay? Because Jesus said, that's not mine to give. Now, could he have, could he have given that? I, God, I don't, I don't That's been a weird conversation. Jesus arguing with God? Uh, I don't know how that would work. You know, my, my, theolo- my theology brain just kind of breaks at that point. Um, but Jesus said, that's not mine to give. And when the ten heard it, verse 41. So there's ten others standing around. And they hear James and John say, We want to be special. Give me the t-shirt that says I'm special. They began to be greatly displeased with James and John. You think? Which gospel is this in? This is in Mark's gospel. Mark tends to abbreviate. Luke waxes eloquent with lots of detail. John talks about love. Matthew's about facts, but Mark is abbreviate, 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 abbreviate. I would love to have heard Luke describe this concept because it was probably more they went fisticuffs and they wrestled a little bit too. So They heard it and they began to be greatly displeased with James and John, but Jesus called them to himself. Remember? He's concerned about 
being with and near these guys. And he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So he's talking about those guys, those outside Judaism. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So what we learn here from their really arrogant question is the greatest is the servant. The greatest is we get this little side sermon from Jesus because James and John had identity issues. Right? So it's beautiful that, that we get to know these things because of their problems. So next we come to Andrew, the last guy we'll look at today. So Matthew 4.18 again. This is brother of Peter and a fisherman. What's that? You're a blank. Did I miss a blank? Jesus came to save. Yes, I'm sorry. Jesus came to save. Luke 9, 51 to 56. Oh, yes. I didn't know what word to pick there. I didn't know how to categorize that paragraph. Yeah. I wanted your feedback. I meant to ask, and I totally forgot. Yeah. I wanted your feedback on how you would have described that, that paragraph. You should have taken a drink there. I totally forgot. Yeah. I totally, I skipped right past it. Wait, Dang it. <laughs> you got to go back now, right? I put rebuked in there. Rebuked. That's pretty good. Yeah. Anybody got anything better? Of course not. <laughs> Yeah, just like the rest of us. There you go. That's pretty good. Yeah, I like rebuked. Rebuked works. Let's go with rebuked. The word is rebuked. Thank you. <laughs> All right, back down to Andrew. So he's a brother of Peter and a fisherman. Uh, go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 35 to 40 there. Verse 35, it says, Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus he, as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. I love John the Baptist. Every time he, Jesus shows up, he's like, Lamb of God. There he is right there. You see? That's it. Every time he shows up, that's what he does. It's awesome. Um, verse 37, The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Like, Whoa, time out, time out. Can Talmudine change teams? Apparently they can. You could switch from one rabbi to another rabbi. Verse 38, And Jesus turned, and seeing them following him, said to them, What do you seek? Now, did Jesus seek them out right here? No. This is what I love about John the Baptist. John had so trained his disciples that when he said, There he is, they went and followed him. I love that. Oh, I love that. Train your kids this way. So that when Jesus is doing some work, they go, hey, let's go get engaged, get involved in that direction. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So Jesus asked them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to be translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. This is not their call. This is their visit. Okay. In verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. You're like, wow, okay. 
Andrew was all over the map here. So Andrew, your blank, was a disciple of John the Baptist. So think about the perspective that he got. He got to be a disciple of John the Baptist and of Jesus. <laughs> it's like, that's a pretty cool resume. I don't know what his formal next job was, but it could not compete with those two. Yes, Dave? How does that fall into chronological order from, you know, Jesus make, uh, calling Andrew? Great question, isn't it? Yeah. You have to do all sorts of getting things in order to make that work. This is where the New Testament, like John chapter 1, did not happen at the same time Mark chapter 1, did not happen at the same time Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. They all happened at different times. And it it works. And I read two commentaries that described it all, and it would take me 15 minutes to walk you through how it all, what the order is. But it can work. Yes, yes. It is very, very interesting. So the theology that we learn... Very quickly, as we look at these two next two passages, uh, John 1, verses 40. One of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Okay, next passage, John 6, verses 1 through 9. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. And Philip said, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may have a little. But one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, How would you like to always be described as Simon Peter's brother? He's his little brother, too, you know. Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Marsha, 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 that's great. (laughs) Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they amongst so many? And I got to wonder that Andrew wasn't looking out for the little kids because Andrew was the little kid. Andrew was the younger brother. Andrew might have been the one disciple that was perhaps been okay with the little kids coming up around Jesus and being around him because he was always looking out for people and he was trying to get people to Jesus. John 12, verses 20 to 22. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came, <clears throat> who came up to worship at the feast, but they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew. Philip didn't bring him to Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So it seems like Andrew was the guy who had the gumption enough to approach Jesus and say, hey, look at these. These are looking for you. So the theology that I learned from Andrew is bring people to Jesus. It is very straightforward, but this is what he's always doing. Every time he shows up in the New Testament, he is bringing somebody to Jesus, which is a great, great testimony. So next week, we'll look at the other eight. So what's the point? Well, number one, God's followers are different, right? We got a, a really boisterous, we got two that are thunderous, and we got one that's hanging back, bringing people to Jesus. God's followers are different. So appreciate the diversity. That's okay. Number two, questions get answered. So ask away. Ask away. And number three, everyone has a role. So be content. Be content. Now, every once in a while in Sunday school, we get to have a graduation, which is kind of cool. So today we have a graduation. 
Um, and I will not make it through this, and that's okay. So, uh, when did you guys start coming? Two thousand six. So that's a long time. Anybody been in the class longer than two thousand six? Seek and Shanda, have y'all been longer than that? Julie, yeah, Julie's been here longer than that. So Justin and Carrie graduate today. Uh, they're going to be teaching a uh, little kiddo class starting next week, right? Woohoo! It's awesome. So this is our graduation ceremony. Um, what's that? You blessed it? Excellent. So this is Andy Stanley's Communicating for a Change. This is a book I read once every uh, year or two. Uh, fantastic way to just get back to a simple, simple message. Uh, this is Love Does. I have not handed this one out yet. Uh, we're going to do this one in December, and it is fantastic. And when I was reading the book Love Does, uh, there were a few people that popped into my head, and Carrie Harness is one of those, uh, who I don't have to ask Carrie to do anything. Um, you just kind of look, and then it just happens. And it is a beautiful example that love does. So thank you for that. Uh, and Justin, thank you for setting up thousands of chairs and bringing your family uh, hundreds of times to hear me uh, talk about the Scripture, and I appreciate it. Um, you too do not understand that there are a lot of times that I think this isn't working. This is, it's not being effective. Uh, and there are more than times that I can count on two hands where one of you has said something to me uh, that was an encouragement that helped me say yes to Daryl when he asked me, do you want to teach again? So thank you for that. Um, and those of you that have enjoyed any part of any of this, you need to thank them today as well uh, because they have been huge encouragers to me every single week. Um, so thank you very much. You are now graduated. You can move your tassel to the other side. Um, and they're starting off with what age group? Three and four-year-olds. Yes, so if I had holy water, I'd sprinkle them some holy water too. I'd do that. That'd be fantastic. Now, they'll be great at this. I'm excited for them, uh, which means that we have gaps in leadership now. So if you're interested in filling those shoes, then please let me know, and uh, I'd like to talk about that. So... Thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Uh, the handouts are, uh, the, the attendance sheet is on the middle of the page, so make sure you do that with your prayer requests. Pray as a group, and you are dismissed. <laughs>